It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners. It's season six of The Extra Inch. You never thought that we would make it this far. Well, here we are, suckers. Uh, all new lineup in The Extra Inch for season six. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by my new best friend, Rina Gattuso. <laughs> what I said, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, these, these old pricks have come back. It's, uh, it's my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, Wendy. And our tactics guy and holy spirit. Nathan A. Clark, hello Nathan. What's popping? What's popping? How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm not you, bad. Uh, you, you, you neck deep in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in a Nuno video? Yeah, yeah, I am, I am. You uh, realise <laughs> that the second you put this video out, he quits the club? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for his health. Yeah, <laughs> you ought to be. <laughs> you have a, a certain knack with these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bardi, you're, um, you're looking a bit tired. Yeah, I've decided the best way to encourage people to use contraception and not keep having children, just get a puppy because they're they're a lot of hard work, man. And I can't imagine a kid, you really have to look after them all the time. At least a puppy, you can kind of ignore it for large chunks of the day. But my God, they take up your time and make you really tired. And um, I was just saying before we went online that I timed this really badly, man. I should have waited till after the Euros so I I could like let loose and enjoy the week and not be not be up at half two in the morning listening to a little beast howling. <laughs> but you like her, right? Oh yeah, she's great, Frida. Her name is Frida. She's great, but um, she could be a proper arsehole. She's a bit like Tottenham. <laughs> you love her and you hate her. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> It's been a busy week on Patreon again, uh, so started a new podcast series this past week, uh, where, so, so we've done these episodes called On the Couch, uh, where I interviewed Nathan and Bardi, and, and Nathan interviewed me, it was about us, it was about getting to know us as, as people away from our football podcast, and, and they went down really well, and they were popular, and then some people started saying, can you do so-and-so, can you interview so-and-so from a Discord, and we got lots of, re- lots of requests to, um, to speak to Cole in particular, so uh, I spoke to Cole last week, I uh, had a really nice chat and got to know him. And now I've I've picked out some other prominent members of the <laughs> Discord server to talk to. Um, had one conversation already. Another is happening tomorrow. It's really fun so far. Getting to know people. Um, it's just a kind of bit of another bit of community building, I think. And there are some fascinating people on the on the Discord who have had rich and interesting lives and are are interesting people. So it's been great. Um, Alongside that, um, Chris Summersell is back in town after his summer holidays, so we've got uh, this Straight Off the Training Ground podcast back up and running. That's been great. Really nice to talk to Chris about um, his preseason training with, with, a new with his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's thanks to Will, who sorted out the mic, and he sounds so much better as a result. And your life is easier, Nathan. Yep. <laughs> well, we should have done that sooner. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't really. Um, so, yeah, that's been great. We did an episode on 
on um, on recruitment with with Chris, which I think followed on really nicely from the episode we did for the X subs with with Matty and and Luke Griffin. Um, so loads of good stuff, and we've also come to the end of our uh, Minor Bardi's first Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which uh, Nathan was the dungeon master for. Uh, so that's all been now edited together by Nathan, beautifully done and released. So if that piques your interest, then you know it might be a reason to to hit the subscribe button on our Patreon. Uh, we had a few issues this weekend, not us, but uh, Patreon had a few issues, and the people who paid annually lost access to stuff for at least twenty four hours, which I wasn't very happy about. So I've written a I've written a snotty email to Patreon and asked <laughs> that they refund our Patreons in some way or sort of compensate them. Uh, Are you starting a beef with Patreon now? You got just <laughs> spreading the setting the world on fire, Windy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I felt like they're starting a beef with us. You know, we're putting out all this glorious content and people aren't able to see it. So so there we go. Um, God, boys, we've got so much to talk about. There's actually a head coach at Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, yeah, finally. I wrote the word manager, haven't I? Let me let me change that. I wrote the word manager in the running order. Well, you also head called coach. your series the Good Manager Series. And in natural <laughs> fact, yeah. it's Good Head Coach Series, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so Bardi, initial feedings on Nuno. I mean, it's better to have a captain steering the ship than, than nobody steering the ship. So that's that's a positive. Um, <laughs> I'm curious because last week you gave Nuno a four. Um, what do you give Nuno today, Windu? He gets the seven that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, fine. I, I think I, he gets a seven from me as well. I, a large chunk of that is down to the fact that he seems like a jolly good chap. And yeah. yeah, he's lovely. Yeah, so <laughs> at least if he's rubbish, at least, you know, he's a nice guy. So... Yeah, no one's going to be calling him bad words, at least. They might call him a bad manager, but they won't say bad words. And we needed somebody in charge, and we've got Nuno, and hopefully hopefully it works. I mean, if I could get behind Jose Mourinho, who's a pretty nasty piece of work, <laughs> then I have to kind of respect Nuno and call him my manager as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I completely agree. He's definitely a personality, at least, that you can get behind and, mm. and warm to and have good feelings for, um, you know, not quite Ryan Mason good vibes, but not far off. Um, and, you know, I, I last week expressed my concern about appointing him and the style that he, he might bring to the club. But, you know, having done a bit more reading, a bit more research, I feel slightly more optimistic. But I want to get Nathan's thoughts because, Nathan, you've been you've been going back to Nate, uh, to Nuno's old clubs and looking at kind of what he achieved. Um, obviously, don't spoil the video because uh, that's, that's for the ex-subs. Hmm. Uh, but how you feeling? Uh, I wasn't feeling great about it. I watched some Valencia. I started to feel better about it. I watched some more Valencia. I started to feel slightly less better about oh. it. Oh. So uh, <laughs> I don't look. Okay, he's he's like he is a, a pretty sound character, at least from from the distance that we can tell. Players speak really fondly of him. He is definitely a good. I was going to call him a manager again, coach. And coach is the right word, especially for him, because mm-hmm. he's definitely someone who has improved players, improved younger players, especially. Um, I think I think that we are in safe hands, you know. I, I I think that there's there's all of those kind of positives to be there. Whether he is like the right tactical fit, I'm still not certain on, and that's what I'm going to be looking at for a couple more days before putting this video together. Hopefully this week. Um. <sighs> so so the reporting between Jack Pitbrook and Alistair Gold is that like um well Jack Pitbrook said that. When when Levy talks about club DNA and free flowing, entertaining football, what he, what he's sort of saying there is someone like Pochino, someone as close to Pochino as possible. And um, Alistair Gold confirmed that Paratici, Paratici, sorry, showed Levy clips of Valencia that persuaded him around that he was the right oh, guy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you in the video what I suspect Veratici has showed Levy. And then I'm going to show you what he didn't show him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, interesting. I was I was gonna do I was gonna do this as a series. I was gonna do Valencia Porto Wolves, and I still might. But I also kind of I'm getting the sensation that it might just all be there at Valencia, and that's the full story, and we can just talk through that. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm still sort of making it up as I go along. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I get the impression from Daniel Levy, as someone who's trying to train a dog that doesn't know much about anything, I, get, <laughs> I do get the impression that Daniel Levy is, is kind of like a dog who doesn't know much about anything. And if you just keep giving him n- nice things, here you go, here's a treat. He'll go, oh, okay, okay, that's not bad. That's, that's actually all right. That's the correct thing to do. Because he, get, he seems to get swung so easily by a PowerPoint. And... um if that's happened again, I mean, good. But I am concerned about the the way our uh, the way our chairman will just swing from one opinion to the next opinion. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I'm maybe a bit Daniel Levy on this. I'm I've swung myself. I um I kind of I sat down to write a, a, a blog article about Nuno, and I didn't have time to do any proper research. So I literally just kind of sat and thought, what do I know about Nuno's Wolves? Because I'd seen quite a bit of his Wolves team. Mm. And the thing is, it's really hard not to be affected by recency bias. And Wolves were terrible last season. Like, mm-hmm. really, really terrible compared to where they had been. And I, I sort of thought back to what they were like when they first came up from the championship. And they were great. You know, I really, really enjoyed watching Wolves. They were an exciting team who played a different style of football to a lot of other teams. Loads of switches out to the fullbacks, which was at that point very unusual in the Premier League. Um, as a result, Matt Doherty and Johnny were incredibly prominent in the team. Uh, they utilised the expansive crossfield passing of Connor Cody in the same way that Spurs did with Alderweireld years ago. They had Neves and, and Matinho controlling midfield, but Neves also had that ability to ping a pass as well. And then they had some very exciting forward players in Raul Jimenez, who would hold the ball up exceptionally. Um, Diego Yota, who would pull out wide and, and have lots of interplay on the, the left. And then a, a mix of players on the right who would rotate. And again, they had some explosiveness and they had some exciting attacking talent. And I think one of the things I wrote in my in my blog article was what they suffered last season was an injury to their key, dare I say, only striker, because Fabio Silva is an 18-year-old who played less than a thousand minutes. And the, the linchpin midfielder, just falling off a cliff in terms of his ability to play at the top level anymore in, in Matinho. And maybe he'll come back from it, but it felt very Dembele-like to me. It felt like they'd suffered what we did with Dembele coming out of the team and Kane getting injured. And I think it's completely reasonable for a manager to struggle under those circumstances and then wildly flail around looking for a solution, which was, in his case, switching to a 4-2-3-1, not being sure about that, going back to the back three, then back to the back four again. He just lost faith in himself because some key components of the team were taken away. And that made me feel a little bit better about things because, you know, that happens to the best managers. That happened to Pochettino. It's it's, it's no yeah. slight against uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. And it shouldn't be a slight against him. And then I was like, okay, well, how good was how good were those first two seasons of Wolves being in the Premier League? Was it just that I was I was they were they were sort of above the level that I expected them to be? They were they were they were just performing above um, expectation level, and I think there was definitely an element of that. Like I don't think they were as electric as I kind of pictured them. It's just that they were electric uh, compared to what I expected them to be doing. So I'm there's a bit of optimism, and there's also a bit of like okay. Could I mean I just think why not just appoint Graham Potter still? <laughs> that's still my that's still my overarching thought. But I really like Nuno as a person. I really liked what I saw of those Wolves teams in those first two years, and I'm just ready for a fresh start after Mourinho. So overall, I'm going to the season feeling in a fairly good place. He's also our first permanent black head coach in the club's history, which is um, not insignificant. And I think um, is important for the club. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason to to not go into the season with a bit of positivity and optimism. And I, I really hope the fans get behind him and give him a fair crack at the whip. Um, let's talk a little bit about the coaching staff. Interestingly, Ledley King is not a part of it. He's moved back into an ambassadorial role. Any thoughts on that at all? Not particularly strong thoughts, to be honest. I think there's been a bit of a reaction, but it's like Nuno's bringing in quite a few members of his own staff. Um, mm. I, I would like to imagine that that there's been some process to that decision and perhaps Nuno and Ledley have talked or ideally Nuno would have given Ledley some homework to sort of, you know, 
um, um, testimony and that kind of stuff. But one way or the other, uh, Lily's moved into an ambassadorial role. I don't necessarily assume that that's permanent, but um, I don't know. I'm not getting too upset about it. And I'm also not like celebrating under the belief, and we did cover it on this podcast at the time, under the belief that, <laughs> that Lily was like responsible for bad <laughs> defending last season because that's obviously completely insane. It was not his remit. <laughs> yeah. It's just people being idiots. People just going, oh, Ledley King was a defender. He must be a defensive coach. It doesn't doesn't work that way, guys. Um, so his appointments are Ian Cathro, Rui Barbosa, and Antonio Diaz. Uh, Cathro is assistant head coach. Um, Barbosa is goalkeeper coach. And Diaz is fitness coach. And they had previously, the last two had previously been part of his background team at a number of his former clubs. Uh, Cathro had been in and out of yep. uh, Nuno's coaching staff previously. He'd also briefly been the head coach of Hearts in Scotland. Um, you have some thoughts from Nathan? Yeah, so he um, he is the guy, and it kind of makes sense that... Um, I can't remember the name of the previous assistant manager. He's also a Rui, I think. Um, the previous assistant manager under Nuno has made way, and Cathro, who is uh, talks more about sort of possession dominant, high pressing football, mm. um, is is really well regarded as sort of a brain um, amongst the coaching scene. Um, went to Hearts as this very inexperienced, very young coach who was never a you know a high level professional footballer, and so the entirety of the Scottish football world decided that he would fail, and so he definitely did fail spectacularly. I think he tr- he wanted he tried to get Hearts to play that kind of football with some more modern ideas, um, but that really didn't work out for him at all. But that doesn't mean you know if you don't have or if you didn't at the time have the the right skills, or if he doesn't still have them now, it doesn't matter because like if his job is to be sort of the brain again like i've mm-hmm. said that you sort of see with Klopp and then his cha- him changing his assistant manager and, and liverpool drastically changing styles if the assistant manager is is the where the tactical ideas are coming from and and the manager is more the face then then i think that that's a potentially working combination yeah he um he also cathro reflected on his time at hearts and said that he kind of went went against his better judgment mm. in accepting that job because um he ended up having no preseason and he was not able to bring any of his own coaches with him into the setup so that i think is a is an important reflection from him that he made a mistake in taking a job that was just not right for him it was not the right environment for one reason or another uh, and you're right, you know, the, the head coach skill set is different to the assistant head coach skill set. Uh, and, and so we'll see. We'll see how things pan out. He's clearly very intelligent and uh, and a progressive coach, a modern yeah. coach. And I think that's the thing that this is this is a sign that that that's the direction. And, and those are the steps being taken by Nuno to go in that direction is a change in his assistant, moving Castro into sort of the second most senior role. To to, to to push towards his more his tactical ideas. The only thing is though, Nathan, uh, it, it does scream uh, Jao Sacramento. <laughs> no, because this because the idea that Sacramento was like philosophically different to Mourinho to was a complete fan invention. <laughs> and it's at that it the was, time, yeah. You know, uh, whereas whereas Castro, there's more of something there in in that regard. Yeah, yeah, Sacramento yeah. was just is yeah. just a younger Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the interesting, the really interesting thing about the Spirito Santo appointment is the the club, or certainly Paratici, has been at pains to say that he to, to imply that Nuno is not wedded to a back three, he's not wedded to a particular system. He is absolutely uh, there for uh, progressive football, um, which implies to me that they've had a conversation about this. It's like you, he knows what's going to be expected of him at Spurs. It's said that that Nuno is an adaptable coach who adapts to the players at his his disposal. I had a good conversation with Chris Summerso about this, and uh, he feels that's something that's that's really built into the the Portuguese um, coach training uh, uh, badges that they they sort of are strategically flexible and adaptable. Uh, and it's certainly said to be the case for for a number of other Portuguese co- coaches. So, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Um, yeah, well, there's been some changes in the academy coaching setup as well. So Ryan Mason has gone back to head of player development, which I think is is a really good move for him. Um, and we've appointed Stuart Lewis now as under 18s coach, who himself was a product of Spurs' academy. 
uh, never sort of never became anything at senior level, but did have a, a lower league career, uh, most notably at Barnet and Stevenage and Gillingham. Um, so yeah, always good that Spurs involve um, former Spurs players in their academy setup. There are a number of players, ex-players currently working in our academy setup, which I think is is really good. Uh, so yeah, see how Stuart Lewis does. Um, any other thoughts on the coaching appointments or on, on Nuno before we move on to some Euros chat? I think if if Nuno has a has a plan and we buy the players that he needs to do that plan, then I think it will be all right. I think that's, and that's what it will come down to. You can have the greatest manager in the world, but if you don't get the players in and that suit that system, then we're going to struggle. Just it's such a terrible thing to say, but just back the manager. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely think. Um... I want to like give Nuno a fair go, and I definitely think that like he's a smart guy and a good coach and all those kind of things. Um, but I definitely have major concerns so far doing doing my research, looking into things at Valencia. I definitely have major concerns about the process that has led to his hiring, the reporting from oh God, yeah. from Jack Pitt Brook. Um, this this week is that like we sort of turned our noses up at Potter uh, who may also have done the same back to us if we tried uh, and, and looked away from Ten Hag when, when both of those were, were at least options um, so yeah so definitely major concerns in how or why we've arrived at Nuno uh, the Mendes links obviously um, but with all that said I, I obviously I want to give Nuno a completely fair go of things um, I just have those concerns about the process I think you're you're very right to to be honest uh, the, because the process is concerning. Oh my god, that um, that writing from Jack was yeah eye opening, and it just sort of shows that Levy. I mean, as Bardi said, it's he's a man of who just runs runs wild with opportunism. He he doesn't seem it, it's bizarre because off the pitch Levy seems so astute. And when it comes to football matters, he seems to get very overexcited about opportunities that present themselves and it leads to him going um, off-piste and off-strategy and that is a real problem. And hopefully Perutici will will turn that round and and change things, but I'm not completely convinced that he didn't do the same thing in this managerial Mm. search. So um, we shall see. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, a Eurish chat. This is just going to be joyful, isn't it? I mean, Bardi, you must be super excited about Italy's performance so far. I, I can't get excited about Italy without I have the crushing darkness that could be an England versus Italy <laughs> final, which, <laughs> which is just because it's all right. You know, when, when Tottenham plays somebody, when Tottenham play Arsenal, it's okay because all my friends are Tottenham and we all suffer together. Now, all my friends are pretty much English and just be me versus them, and I don't like it. <laughs> Just one of us needs to get knocked out in the semis and just just lose to Denmark. Let us beat Spain and you lose to Denmark and then life could be good. Life would be all right. I'm at the point where even Italy losing to Spain so I don't have to play England in the final would would help me out because I can't I don't feel like I can really enjoy it. I can't I can't enjoy it because I feel bad for you and I can't be like, well, why don't we want it? Because I you know, I, I know how you feel and you'd be upset. But then I can't bear to see you winning it and me losing and it just it's just awful. One of us needs to lose. It just make our life easier and hopefully it's um hopefully it's you. But you realise that it's definitely gonna be an England issue final, right? <laughs> 
No, I don't think so. It's going to be proper Spurs. It'll be Spain, Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both, I, I, we'll both I, mess I it just up. can't see it. I just can't see it. I think I think England have got too much of Denmark, and I think Italy have got too much of Spain. Spain have not impressed me at all. Stop uh, doing I'm, that. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I've tried this throughout the tournament with you, and it hasn't worked. So don't try and do that. It's no, fine, it's fine it's, it's. I'm afraid it's happening. It's <laughs> it's it's England and Italy in the final, and that's that. It just is. Um. So Nathan, I'm I'm really excited about England's yeah. performance and achievement so far. How are you feeling? Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty pretty good, pretty good. I mean, I I was saying to Buddy earlier, like I I've sort of been on the Southgate train uh, since early on when he was getting a lot of criticism, and I, I'm really happy to see him getting the plaudits that he deserves for the ideas he's had. I've been critical of him too, and I really didn't like the Rice Phillips midfield going into this tournament, um, but he's really won me rounds with sort of the ideas to get around that midfield and the the defensive strengths of playing it completely shut Germany down um, by matching their formation and, and going wing back to wing back um, and then pressed Ukraine higher um, decent plans to mm-hmm. sort of build out from the back with two defensive midfielders by creating threes here and there and, and dropping in the, the the sort of the various array of attacking talents um, that we have at our disposal I, I've spoken a lot uh, and tweeted a lot about the the my desire to see Sancho play, which I'm glad that we've seen now and, and want to see more of. But I also think at the same time that like you could play um, uh, Calvert Lewin, Rashford, uh, Mount, and uh, misuse Bellingham as the number ten as your front line of four players, and they'd still be pretty bloody good. You know that's the weaker side you could put out, and that's a strong combination. So I don't think that you can really go wrong too much. Obviously, I want to see Grealish, and obviously, I want to see Sancho and and Sterling. So there you go. There's my three. But um, yeah, been really impressed. I I do think that like Spain and Denmark are both worthy of being in the semi-finals. I do think that Spain have been dramatically underrated because they keep the ball, mm-hmm. but like it's effective and they find their way what you know eventually and they keep calm about it and i think the denmark have shown some really interesting patterns in their playing and i'm interested in 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 their setup their coach um Hoybier is playing more of a number eight role and that leads spurs fans to go oh we miss using uh Hoybier. should we be playing him as the number eight and it's like um we haven't dombele and lacelso so like why are you <laughs> playing Hoybier in one of their role and also we don't have anyone to play as the more defensive role so i think that being restrictive with hoibio is right and also to be honest i think increasingly in modern football like your six should definitely of course be like a part-time number eight for his country because your six needs to receive under pressure your six needs to beat players with and control the ball in tight spaces your six needs to pass forwards which are all the attributes of a number eight anyway or at least a defensive number eight so um yeah of of course hoibier can play that role and of course he should and the same is true of, of skip who hopefully will be his deputy next season so i just think that that's what a modern number six looks like and I don't think that we need to start re-examining our use of him I think that just, that just... Absol- absolutely it should not be a surprise that Huey Bier is more than just a pure destroyer I mean that's it's obvious it's also what he, he did for he... Southampton right <laughs> so like... right exactly exactly he played alongside Romeo and uh, and Romeo was the, the destroyer and Huey Bier was the one trying to spring counters a lot of the time and you know, he was working under Pep Guardiola and Pep Guardiola just doesn't really go for a pure destroyer. It's not what he wants in his in his midfield. Um, he's very competent, Huey Bear. You're absolutely right. He's completely competent, but should be still the six, primarily, I think so. in my opinion. Um, I, I I agree entirely about Denmark. I think they're, they've been very interesting and incredibly well-drilled and they've made very few mistakes, which I think is, in tournament football, incredibly important. Um, and I think my suspicion is, so what I like about Southgate is he's been picking his team for each yeah. game uh, and thinking about the opposition. I think that's really smart. And I think he might continue to do that. And I suspect that Grealish might be the guy for Denmark because they're so set defensively mm-hmm. and you need someone to draw players out of position and to also beat a man 1v1. And I think Grealish, um, of all the players in our squad, has has that ability more than anyone else. And I think a, a combination of Grealish, Sterling, Sterling, and one other. Uh, I said Sterling because <laughs> I think Grealish. Just, yeah, um, Grealish, Sterling, and one other. I think that makes a really nice combination for for this game in particular. And I, I would not be against like the other being Mount for sort of more defensive reasons or Saka uh, for more defensive reasons. He seems to have recovered from his injury, judging by uh, him jumping into the swimming pool on the back of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm down with that. I I'm very open to him mixing it up again. Um, I'm just loving what England doing. Just it's resolute. It protects the biggest weaknesses in our team wonderfully, whilst also not completely removing our attacking threat. Uh, what's interesting to me actually is that our biggest weakness so far has probably been Kyle Walker, uh, who plays in the position that we're arguably most stacked in mm. like right back was the one we were famously yeah. we, we couldn't decide who our right back was because we had we had oodles of talent and now it's like walker's been the weakest player of a lot not that he's played terribly he's just made a few errors um but yeah that's interesting to me so i, I kind of wonder if trippier might come in at right back uh potentially which is also funny um, again, <laughs> so, right obviously as, as first fans. Not, not 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 against it not against it because set pieces as we've seen are really important in um in international tournaments and Trippier's set piece ability is 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 fantastic. So yeah, lots to be excited about for England, lots to be excited about for Italy, and the final is going to be lit. And Bardi, you've got a ticket. Not to the final, to the semi-final. To the semi. Well, God bless your wafer. I never thought I'd say those <laughs> words, but after we beat Belgium and we actually we punished Roberto Martinez, which is great, and we just kind of showed him up to be the fraud that he is. So like bringing on Nasser Chadley to, to turn a game against that and taking off Tielemans. I, I just don't understand what he was doing. Anyway, <laughs> he's such a bad, bad manager. Um, but yeah, UEFA, I, I looked at the UEFA site and it was like £200 for a ticket. And then um, on Sunday, the Italian community all got excited. WhatsApps were flying around everywhere. And um, UEFA dropped the tickets to £85 as a fan's first initiative, which I thought was pretty good. Mm. So if you're local, I guess, UK-based, you can buy tickets for the game. And these are open to anybody. So it's quite nice. It's going to make for a good atmosphere. Um, I've not spoken about... It's weird. I always speak about Italy, but I haven't spoken about Italy. But I have to say (laughs) that I think... In my lifetime, this is the most impressive Italian team I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen Italy win a World Cup with impressive individuals playing a style which was more definitely more attacking than they get than they get painted with. But I think this Italian team is brilliant, and I think it's going to be one of those brilliant national teams that will end up not winning the competition because life just doesn't work like that. And I think the way they play has been incredible. They they have, they've shown everybody in this tournament how to play proper football, and England will probably win this Euros because that's just playing their style of football but I think there's so much more for England to do out there and just just watch how Italy play and it's it's weird for me to be looking at England play a very Jose very my manager style and be kind of like oh but that's so Jose Mourinho then watch everybody else be so for it I just <laughs> think Italy have been so great this tournament and it would be lovely for their football to win it won't win because life's not like no. that but I'm very proud I'm very proud of the Italian team and kind of makes up for those dark days of of failing to score a goal against Sweden and not going to the 2018 World Cup and I actually think that's probably helped us in the long run in the long run um, and helped us find a new identity and play better football it would be very um, unfortunate if the first goal of England were to concede would be in the final to Italy. I would. Why I would, would not, you say that out loud, Wendy? What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> yeah, edit, edit out. Edit an insignia, out. an insignia bender, like into the top corner, which I didn't even know was a meme. Who knew they did memes in other languages? But <laughs> there's a whole subculture of Italian memes out there about insignia just doing the same thing he always does, and it's um, it's great. <laughs> And one thing Italy do have over England, I think, is experience and and certainly age. You know, England, I think we had, I think I read it's third youngest squad in the tournament, whereas Italy must be one of the older squads, I would have thought, or certainly towards the upper end. And that could count. That could count in the final. That really could count in the final. We do have a, like a forty-year-old centre back, a thirty-five-year-old centre back, and a forty-year-old goalkeeper on the bench, which has kind of skewed our average age. <laughs> But do you not feel, Buddy, that this could that, that I I appreciate that not all of the Italy players are old. Like um, Locatelli is what twenty three, twenty four, something like that. Chiesa is still young. Um, Barella's not like Barella's young. Barella's yeah, young. Yeah, mid twenties, isn't he? There there are a few younger ones, but there also are like quite a few players for whom this will be their last major tournament or by the time the next one comes around, perhaps they'll be coming towards the end of their career. Do you not feel like Italy need to do this? No, no. Italy are not like England. They won't take a a 17-year-old player, no matter how good he is, and just put him on the bench. But Bellingham has played, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I I actually turned off the Ukraine game because I thought I'd win some brownie points. But England have got a great player in Bellingham sat on the bench 
not doing anything. Italy wouldn't have done that. They would have taken a more experienced player. So that's what they do. They they protect individuals. They've always done it. It's like, you know, Baggio has been a, a fantastic player, but his standout, his breakout was Italian 90 when he was already like 23 because they just don't take you to tournaments when you're too young. Stay in the under 21s. There's no rush to, to go to go flying onto the, onto the European scene. Taking Theo Walcott to the 2006 World Cup. Bellingham will learn something from this, but I think he'd probably learn more by working as a group in the under 21s with a core set of players there. So, so you didn't. You, you you've done a, a politician's answer there. You've answered mm. a different question. No, okay. <laughs> but do I think it's Italy's last chance? No, of course yeah. Not. Like the, the all all of the defenders, um, including Spinazzola uh, and and the right back and Insignia and and Immobile. The, these players are kind of coming towards the end of certainly their international career. Surely, but that's how what happens. You play them and then they they step down. I do think. I think um, I think Bastoni is probably our best defender, but he's on the bench. And in these seven games, they've gone with experience. I don't think it's Italy's last chance, man. I mean, we've been to more finals in the last twenty years than you than you guys have in your in your history. So <laughs> I don't think it's Italy's last chance at all. No, no, no. I mean, this team's last chance. Like, I I agree that Italy have some fantastic young players, and I think there's a bright future. But what basically what I'm saying is. The, the the next group of young players that come in for Italy is where England's at now. Like the young players have come in, and this is this is like for some of them it's their second tournament, for some a lot of them it's their first, and it will stand them in really good stead. And I I genuinely I've been saying this out loud for some time and been laughed at in certain WhatsApp groups. I feel like England have have a dynasty in them now. They have such a core, an excellent core group of genuinely brilliant young players with many more to come. You know, like. Uh, like Bellingham and like Noni Madueke and, and plenty of others. I'm really excited about the next 10, 15 years for England. And I think that's legitimate excitement. Um, and yeah, it, like Italy also have some exciting youngsters, but they've not, <laughs> the current squad is a bit older. Because they just pick older players. Sure. I mean, England, as far back as I can remember, England have been the next group of players was going to win this and win that. And maybe this time it's actually going to happen. Maybe this time the, the clock is correct. We will have to wait and see. I don't think Italy picking an older squad to win a tournament means that it's an end of a cycle. I definitely think like an England-Italy final is what the tournament deserves. I think it'll be fantastic. It'll be a real spectacle, a clash of styles. Um, I think Ericsson's like, team deserves a final. I think that that's the bigger story here. Ericsson's I mean, they, they, the they've had their glory. They've done their bit for Christian. They've they've done him proud. <laughs> wow. it's, it's fine to bow out now. No, no, no. They need um, they need everybody wearing Ericsson number ten shirts as they pick up the the trophy. <laughs> um, so let's talk about transfers before we before we sign off. Uh, there's a few there's a few murmurings. It sounds like the Tomiyasu uh, signing is moving closer. They're sort of negotiating, from what I can read. Um, what's interesting about this is Nathan and I both watched him, and we were like, okay, this is a centre back mm. who's playing at right yeah. back. Um, all the reporting is that Spurs are watching him with a view to playing him at right back. I actually thought he might be a left sided centre back for yeah. Spurs, but what do yeah. I know? I, I think so. He's he's so, very two footed, you know, as two footed as centre backs get, really. Um, so I find this surprising. I uh, I mean, the 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 suggestion is that there's a plan to play a back four that's lopsided. Regulon plays wing back, and Tommy Asu plays defensive right back as a sort of a mirror of, of something that we used a fair bit last season and and also before that. Um, and like, yeah, sure, if that if that's the way that tactically we feel is appropriate for for the team, and and you want that level of support behind and Dombele because you want to play him as number eight and get him on the ball earlier than a year, like, yeah, I guess so. But I just feel like with Tomiyasu, he would come in and and instantly be one of our best, if not our best, centre back defensively. So. Um, yep. If the plan at the moment is to use him as a right back, then that's what will happen. But I imagine that fairly quickly, uh, unless we buy like Jules Conde, and then uh, it's a different story. But like, I think that we will go. Oh, hang on, this guy's really good if you're playing at centre back, and we need some help there. So let's let's do that. Um, and then we and then we change up. And the things that like again, as we saw last season, you just don't stick with the wonky fullbacks thing for like even. Uh, a half a season because it's just it gets a bit predictable match after match after match I guess we have Doherty and we can switch things up and play the opposite side but mm, yeah I don't know I don't know maybe maybe idea is he comes in and he plays right back at first and then he moves over to centre back with time as he gets settled in more but odd 
odd. Mm, mm. So, so you mentioned um, Gilles Koundé there, the, uh, the, the French centre-back, right-sided centre-back, um, 22 years old. Exceptional. The, yeah, yeah. For, I mean, I've only seen the highlights, but he, he certainly seems exceptional. He plays for Sevilla. Uh, the player on FB ref that he... he he closely profiles okay. against is Harry Maguire. Sure. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And I think that's because of the progressive yeah. carries yeah. forward. There's there's Harry Maguire like what you see sort of aesthetically on the screen when you watch a big lump yeah. with a massive head run around, and then there's Harry Maguire in terms of like what he actually sort of achieves on the pitch. Um, in terms of like yeah, his, his defensive ability, um, uh, and then his ball progression and his comfort on the ball and all those kind of things that are really good and why. Harry Maguire, why Harry Maguire? I underrated him. I didn't think that he would transition well to a top team. He played the high line well because of his his slowness on the turn. But he has done a fair play to him, and all of his other strengths have, have really come through for him um, as well. So fair play to him. Um, yeah, Kunde is really, really good, really, really good, and I'm glad that he is clearly a target for us. Um, but the reporting today is that we aren't going to meet his fifty million pound price tag. Um, which I guess isn't too surprising. I don't know what our budget is going to be for the summer or how many players we want to bring in. Um, I think he's worth that. Um, and then there's also reporting that he wants to go to a club who were in the Champions League, which we're not so fair play, mate. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. So the, the other reporting is that Alderweireld is uh, keen to leave this summer, which I think makes total and utter sense personally for yep. him uh, and, and for us in, in many ways. But what that does mean is we would lack uh, a more experienced defender to I mean certainly if we're signing Tomiyasu and then we're looking at Kunde um that's a young that's a young backline with no Alderweireld there um so to mitigate that they I guess they, they've been looking at Vestergaard of Southampton mm. um who is a another big lump um, oh he's not enormous not a bad player but yeah he's just like He's extraordinary in the air, and that's his standout skill. Um, Bardi, any thoughts on Vestergaard? I mean, if it's a if it's a free transfer, I can see it probably happening. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I don't. Is it free? I hadn't realised well, that. Well, I think it'd be pretty cheap. I think it's kind of a Hjordberg situation, isn't it? He's only got one year left. Right, right. Mm. Got you. So it'd be, it'd be cheap. I don't. I mean, I don't think he's great, but um, I think he's better than Eric Dyer and probably a better option than Davinson mm. at the moment who who just hasn't been hasn't been working at Spurs. Definitely agree on that. Mm. Uh, although apparently by all accounts Davinson is playing very well for Colombia this summer. Um yeah Nathan do you have any thoughts on Vestergaard? Uh he's 28. He's too big to turn. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's a, I guess yeah I guess if we want to bring in like we want to play Joe Roden and we want to bring in another young centre back because that's the situation that needs changing at the club. Um, we want to bring in like a Kunde or a um, whoever uh, young players, Tommy Yasu as well, and 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 either then you also want a sort of a bit of a figurehead. He's twenty eight, which is basically peak for a centre back. You're sort of looking at a, a twenty seven to twenty nine, maybe thirty peak for centre backs, and they go on a bit longer, but. I don't know. It's, it doesn't. It's not great business, but I kind of get it from a like having a leader kind of vibe. I just don't again, again like I thought Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire wouldn't work out in a high line. I think Vestergaard would have troubles in a in a consistent high line too. But I guess I could be wrong on that one or two. I'm not inspired, okay. <laughs> but I'm also not like no, this can't possibly be. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel much the same way, and I think Bardi makes a good point there. If he's in the last year of his contract, and there's a a deal to be done which kind of fixes a short-term problem given that Alderweireld has said that he wants to leave then I can certainly understand the logic although I would prefer obviously I'd prefer a better and slightly younger profile of player I mean you can play a high line with slower defenders if you've got a good midfield in front of it which Italy showed against Belgium you can, yeah. it, can, it can be done with the with the right team in front of him. I don't know if Spurs, I don't know if Spurs can do fix centre back and fix centre midfield in in one window. So, if I'm Spain, yeah, Wait. if I'm Spain, I'm looking at that. I suppose, I suppose I was going to say Spinazzola, but he's out, isn't he? Previously, yeah. I was looking at Chiellini playing next to Spinazzola and thinking just sh- shove balls into the into the space yeah. behind Spinazzola. I guess that's le- who's going to play left back now. Emerson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. So it's, it's not. It's not as bad. But I. I. When you say like, oh, you can play. You can play Chiellini in a high line. I think. Well, you got away with this so far. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like. 
well, we you, got you're, away you're pressing this to be on point. Yeah. You've got to stop the opposition being able to have time to get their head up and play those passes in behind. That's what I mean. We managed to do it against De Bruyne, Tielemans, and Lukaku, Fair which enough. are three, yep. uh, three really good people exposing high lines. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, absolutely spot on. Two other players that have uh, reportedly been linked are Miralem Pjanic and Yakin Correa. Um, Bardi both been playing in Italy throughout their career. Are you up to speed with with Pjanic and Correa? I mean, if it was six years ago, I would have been all over Pjanic. I think that would have been a great signing. Um, I'm not sure about it now. Joaquin Carrera, I think, is, is, is a pretty good player. He's worked nicely with Lazio. Lazio have overachieved in the last few seasons. He's, he's made Immobile, who's an awful, awful striker, <laughs> look, look good. I mean, Immobile get, winning the European Golden Boot, top goal scorer, everything else. And he's awful. He's such a bad striker. So if, <laughs> if Carrera can make him look good, then he's got to be a genius. And Pjanic, not today, not now too expensive and I just don't think it'll work. Nathan, do you have thoughts on the Pjanic link? I'm going to preempt what you might say and say, we've gotten Domblay in the cell, so why are you looking at Pjanic? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that Pjanic, you can use him as a, a number six, but you kind of probably want, uh, well, actually, sorry, two or three years ago, you can play Pjanic as a six, but you probably still want like some 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 back and forth midfielders either side of him. Now you need, I would say, seven or eight midfielders to do his work for him because like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's just like, he's not there anymore. That's why he's, he's probably going to leave on a free so like why are we talking to Barcelona <laughs> he's just yeah you know mm. uh, Spurs fans love to get excited I mean I guess all fans love to get excited about like players who are becoming available on a free who were good years ago and just aren't anymore and, and, and are always slow to react to like because they're a name you know I mean Aguero is doing alright at Barcelona I guess so it, it happens but no no thank you Correa yeah um a good player plays as the sort of the forward who who comes towards the ball and drops off and gets on the yeah. ball more and and carries. But like I would rather we gave Delhi some games, so it's it's a similar one there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Delhi, oh my goodness, he looks in great shape. Have you seen his uh, his Instagram post <laughs> recently? I have been working out eating his chicken. Good boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously, he's been working really hard. And then he did this interview where he basically was asked what went wrong last year. And he accepted full responsibility, which I think is uh, incredibly generous of him to Hmm. have have done that. I mean, he's saying the right things. The main thing is, to me, that implies that he is um, uh, maturing as a person and very focused going into preseason. And I really hope that's that kind of focus stays with him and that he impresses Espirito Santo yeah. throughout this preseason because we've got a fantastic player there who's currently nowhere near uh, his his potential and it would be really nice to sort of see the old Delhi back again. I mean, I, I do wonder how he feels watching watching this England team go into the semi-finals of the Euros while he's at home mm. training. I think that's if if anything can be a wake-up call, that will be it. Mm. Great point. Isn't He's quite friendly with Grealish, right? Uh, I think it's friendly with all of them. Yeah, I mean, that must be really tough, knowing, like, if they win it, what could have been? Uh, like Moussa Sissoko, when he watched France win the World Cup and then he joined them for the Euros and they got binned <laughs> out to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that Delhi will notice watching the England team is Luke Shaw becoming one of the best left-backs oh. in the world, you know? And so, yeah. like, yeah, Delhi has said, uh, you know, he's putting the blame on himself and, and uh, you know, he's not going to bother getting into a big media spat with Mourinho because what's the point? It doesn't do him any good. He may well feel differently privately. He might well feel the same privately and I think it's useful to go into that mentality of saying, hey, I was in this, you know, this really tough, awful situation with a boss who didn't like me. Um, but then also say, but what could I have done better? What could I do wrong? What what parts of yeah. that do I take the blame for myself? Where, where did I make things worse instead of making them better and and look to himself and, and try to go into the new season with a, with a new chance a new opportunity and um and uh yeah being a bit introspective about it so so fair play, play to him I'm, I'm glad to hear that from him um and i also think looking at sure like it took him a while to get back to the level that he was at after his uh clash <laughs> with with Mourinho. so it might take delhi a little while to get going and i i i was gonna say i hope spurs fans are patient with him but they already aren't um I don't know, I, but he he may well he may well turn things around quicker because uh, he's a smart guy. Whereas Luke Shaw, 
I don't know if you've any watched any Luke Shaw interviews, but he's clearly not like the sharpest tool. Bless him. I, I he's he's very sweet. He's sweet. I saw a video. I, like I saw a, a video of him talking about Saka, and it was it was very adorable. He was sort of saying how much the squad loves him. I think he said, "I wish I wish he was my son," <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny because it's like you're about two years older than him, mate. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think it's a great point about Delhi being able to look towards Shaw as, as something to build towards. Um, and while Spurs fans are absolutely down on Delhi at the moment, uh, you know, a good start to the season and some goals will very soon turn that around. He's he's got he he's so charismatic. He's got so much popularity amongst certainly your younger fans, and that will return in spades it's, the second he starts performing. It's well. an easy win for Nuno as well. I think if you come in and you yeah. you get Delhi firing again, that's that's a big um a big tick for you. Big big way to win win people round and get some some plaudits early on. Just one thing I want to ask you, Nathan, before we before we call it a day. Um, my concern with Nuno, based upon based on what I saw at Wolves, so bearing in mind I've not seen any of his previous teams, mm-hmm. is the the workmanlike nature of his central midfield. So Nuno wanted Moutinho and Neves, who are workers. They're they're grafters. They they press. They sit deep. Um, they collect balls off the centre backs and they move it on. And they're occasionally expansive, but not you know Neves more than Moutinho. But it's not like a running through midfield, beating players and and uh, playing through balls. I'm I'm worried for Ndombele. Um What do you think? Well, I mean, in, uh, independently, Neves and Moutinho are two like sort of uh, technically gifted, creative players. Um, you look at what Moutinho did, you know, <laughs> before he didn't join us, uh, and what he did at Monaco. Look at like Neves's the highlights. Um, he definitely made use of them in those ways. He 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 also restricted those sides of the game to an extent because of how much of the ball they saw and how early he wanted them to play a lot of their passes. Um, but I think it's it's getting the the Wolves midfield story is getting a graft out of technical players rather than cool. and rather than throwing away technical players to bring in the grafters I think and his Valencia midfield was was really strong uh, 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 Gomez uh, Perejo and um, <sighs> begins with F never mind uh, as as a, as a technically gifted midfield with some some interesting combinations going on there. Okay, that's that's really encouraging. That's that's um, that's cheered me so up. My I my suspicion is is that uh, we might look at that three man midfield again. I definitely see like um, like the Pareo Gomez duo being an Andombele Celso duo in front of Hoivia. Four three three baby. I think that's on the cards. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 